Welcome to Who's Your Mother podcast, where we discover who we are as souls and mothers through Reiki, spirituality, and healing. Hi, I'm Carolina, your host and Reiki master. I'm so very excited you're here today, so let's get started. Welcome to Who's Your Mother's podcast. I'm Carolina, your Reiki master and host, and I'm here in person with actually one of my favorite people in the whole world. This is Miss Rachel Tran, Mrs. Rachel Tran. I'm going to introduce you because you're too humble. So anyway, we're also very close friends and um, ignore this mark. Um, this is my- this mark is actually very metaphor relationship because our, most of our relationship centers around parenting. And this black mark across the vol- wall is very symbolic of what parenting is. You think you have all your stuff together and then you turn around and you notice that your kid has marked um, on your wall with a permanent marker. Yeah, so and there you, you don't go. have a magic eraser. So, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have to go to the Dollar Tree that's nearly now a dollar twenty-five. So, um, this might be the funniest podcast I've done so far. <laughs> so, Miss Mrs. Rachel Tran is a woman of many things, but she's an expert in positive parenting. She's a parenting coach, but also she's a postpartum doula, and she is a well-known figure in motherhood and parenting here in Nebraska. Not only did you found the local baby-wearing um, nonprofit, she's also has headed, headed the La Leche League for Nebraska for multiple years. Not anymore, but yeah, in the past, I, I've just coordinated yeah. the leaders, that's all. Yeah, that's a big feat. And then also, she is, um, you've, you help with breastfeeding too. Yeah, La Leche League is an international breastfeeding support organization, and everything that La Leche League does is free, and so I, that was very near and dear to my heart. And, and baby wearing, so that's how we met, like through baby wearing, and uh, yeah, I when Ollie was- house call five, six years ago? Uh, I gave birth to Ollie December 11, 2016, right. and had a very tough go right after, so you came home to my house probably when he was less than two weeks old and I needed to learn how to baby wear because my anxiety was extreme and um so before we get into all of that so um Rachel is actually my parenting coach and she has transformed my marriage and I would say transformed my relationship with my son um has provided a lot of space it's really difficult, I think, for other people to hold space for me because I'm just like such a huge energetic being and I'm also really intense. So for you to like be a grounding force and hold space for me to be vulnerable and go through like is really is really a feat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so let's just dive in. So one thing that I particularly wanted to ask you to be on the podcast was because what I've learned with heal with with parenting is that a lot of a lot of a lot a lot of effective good parenting is, and that can look a lot of different ways. But it really starts with reparenting yourself and getting out of and releasing the pain and the trauma that you were brought up with, so that you can be present and grounding for your own child. But, um, so you have allowed. I mean, I can, I can, I have so many tools for healing myself, but when it comes to parenting, I just really don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, <laughs> and like, I just remember you telling me as, I just love that you've been through my entire journey. I've been so incredibly blessed to have you through the entire journey with Ollie. And you told me once I was worried, um, I was struggling to exclusively breastfeed and it took me oh gosh, until the very like full 12 weeks mm-hmm. to get exclusively breastfeed. And that was through, there's a local organization here called Milkworks and they're in Lincoln and in Omaha. Correct. Yeah. And they have what's called International Board Certified Lactation Consultants, or short as IBCLCs. And they are extensively the, probably the most knowledgeable about breastfeeding any medical consultant provider you can have those people know the most, more than doctors, more than pediatricians. Correct. And we were going four times a week Mm -hmm. and we were doing weighted feeds. I was doing triple feeding. I mean, I was doing it all. I was doing, I rented the medical grade pump. I I was pumping. I was not sleeping. I was, (laughs) I was a mess, but 
it was super important for me to breastfeed because my birth had gone so badly. It was the last thing that I could grasp onto that I wanted to make happen in my healing. So um, you had come to the house and, and then I started later I was like, okay, now I need to learn how to breastfeed in public. And I would go to the breastfeed, I would go to the baby wearing meetings because I knew that though it was a safe place for me to, um, I never made other mom friends there. <laughs> I tried, but it didn't work out. I wasn't in the military. A lot of that time, a lot of the moms were in the military and I wasn't, I wasn't a military mom. I didn't live on base. So, um, but I could learn to breastfeed in public and it take my time with it. Mm -hmm. um, you told me, you cannot force the growth of hair and nails. I'm probably messing this up, but basically, nope, you were right. Yep. The basically was I was worried whether or not Ollie was doing well enough, mm -hmm. if he was thriving, if he was um, growing the right way, and like we they had to stop doing the weighted feeds. If it was still very stressful, like is this enough? And being a mom that had never been around babies, you're like. You can't make nails and hair grow, mm -hmm. but as long as those are growing, you know, he's thriving. Mm -hmm. And, and a chiropractor at the time had told me, she goes, you know, that he's extremely well loved because the back of his head had not had any hair come off. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what she meant by that. She goes, well, cause you probably never let him down. Yeah. And I was like, accurate statement. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. accurate statement I never let that kid know mm -hmm. I uh he was always on the boob mm -hmm. literally always on the boob so um and I, good. and I didn't know I didn't know that not that anyone putting your baby down is actually important I was just that's what I did and was very again very postpartum I had PPA and PPD and was very anxious if I was not holding him um, so enter baby wearing. So that's what enter baby, baby wearing to play and learning to be mobile again. Cause basically I sat on my couch. So, um, uh, you being an influence on my life, just learning those things in parenthood and the phases of parenthood has been so amazing. But, um, so let's talk about a little bit about healing okay. and parenting. Um, do you think it's necessary? Absolutely. And what does that look like? So I know my journey, but like as a positive parenting expert and coach, I know that you're like, whatever, <laughs> the expert, don't tell me. Uh, I actually, um, I want to back up just a little bit because sometimes people will hear the word positive parenting and they will immediately put up a, that defensive wall because they think um, that the term positive parenting means that they always have to be happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, oh, that's my favorite. and you don't um, No, positive uh, parenting doesn't mean that you have to be happy all the time and you're not going to be happy all the time. That's, that's a very unrealistic expectation. One of the things that I talk with my clients about constantly is having realistic and age appropriate expectations, not only for your kid, but as you know, I just told you for yourself, right? Um, so let's Don't not treat use... your five-year-old like an adult no, all the time. Don't do that. <laughs> so, um, I am actually strongly considering coming away from that word positive parenting and, and using um intentional parenting using, i like that so people because, use conscious yes what, conscious, conscious parenting intentional parenting which really a hard word. just it is which really just means um that you are making a choice you're not just going with um what comes just from the way back of your brain you know the way that you were parented so that you anytime you're triggered anytime you're in a place of um not being healed, um, you just go with that. So a lot of times that is screaming and hitting, um, hopefully not throwing things, but really just um, mm. things that are not con most conducive to um, a peaceful environment, to a healed environment, to a happy environment. I, know I just said, don't be happy all the time. Um, but like, yeah, I didn't make the association of like 100% the way I grew up was definitely chaotic, was mm -hmm. abusive in a lot of ways but I didn't associate until you and I had this conversation that like okay there's some I think there's always things to heal of course you're never done healing but like like I am not prepared for all all the things that Ollie's going through right now mm -hmm. so that's why I have help and a coach I always think you need a coach but like 
like I didn't know that like my disorganization could actually affect his behavior or I don't know why I didn't make that connection but like that's not it like organization is not like a natural inclination for me electronically in like Dropbox and like Google Drive yeah like I'm very technically inclined but like having a spot for every spoon we have buckets like I have buckets for like his toys (laughs) we have like pictures for the Mm -hmm. decorative ones that are pretty but like I'm not I'm not a naturally organized person so like I was glad that you were breaking that you and I had a conversation earlier was about like you you said about healing it's it's you can heal in chaos but it's a lot harder but the environment can can you talk more about that how it makes it easier yeah so you don't I don't want people to think that like and I was just telling you I don't want people to think that they have to have a perfectly Pinteresty organized house. This is not you it, obviously. You, have to, you, you have less the black mark. You don't, you don't have to have yeah. um, a totally organized house, but there are things that you can do to promote um, a peaceful environment so that even if you do have chaos all around you, um, you can still have that feeling of peace. Therefore, you can be coming from that a place of healing and continue in your healing when you're parenting. Um, little things like uh, having quiet music on in the background all the time, um, or like music with nature sounds. Um, there's lots of studies out there right now about the uh, the effects of nature on the human psyche. You know that. Um, oh, I watched a TikTok. Um, of- <laughs> <laughs> I'm to- not on TikTok. Like it moves too fast for me. We were just talking about boomers. <laughs> this thing makes me feel like a boomer. Those videos go too fast for me. I, well, a lady had said that when you hear bird sounds, mm-hmm. that tells your body ne- like relax. to relax. Mm-hmm. When the birds are silent, that is a sign of danger. Yeah. So I, I never like that correlation. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, so now I'm very like, I once I heard that, it was like, oh, wow. No wonder I like bird sounds like yeah. on the TV or whatever. But when I go outside to our little backyard, um, we have a huge nature preserve in the back. I just love hearing. Yeah, because it means you're safe. Turkeys. And your, your body is, well, turkeys. We do have lots of turkeys here. <laughs> you know, turkey is a sign of abundance. Yes. Yes. We got a lot of them. I lot. swear one of those turkeys was four feet tall. Those turkeys are Epping. massive yes they're big yes Epping massive um, one of the little things that you can do to help you as a parent and to help you on your healing journey um, maybe if, even if you're still in the trying to conceive process um, is just find a video on youtube or put it you can put it on your phone on spotify or pandora whatever um with just some spring or i say spring because we're recording this in spring but um nature sounds with instrumental music. Um, Think about what Mm. the type of environment that you walk into when you go into a spa. Sometimes they'll have very- um, I like their water movement. Yes, water noises. Rain. Rain. Um, Rainforest sounds. There's so so many. And sometimes you can find like um, some, my favorite Mm -hmm. are like the Soflogio music where it's mixed Mm -hmm. in with the nature sounds so then there's like certain healing like 528 hertz or like 728 depending on which one i don't my body doesn't like all of them well and because if you know everybody everybody needs a different frequency 100 Um, have to do a whole nother podcast on healing frequencies and um music healing because there's there's a season two take two cool a lot of things about that um like in our house i will tell you that i have music on all the time and i use music as a way to facilitate the energy in the house, facilitate what I want to happen. I love that so much. So when I wake up in the morning, I turn off my night music, which is Delta waves because Delta waves help you go into that deep sleep and help you body really relax and release all that cortisol from the day. Um, And then I turn that off and I turn on my relaxing spring morning nature music. Um, And it's, you can barely hear it, but it's just enough there to kind of set that tone in the, in the environment. And I, I leave that on for 
probably until about 10 o'clock. And then once 10 o'clock hits, then I put on some classical music or whatever feeling. Which is your jam. My jam is classical music. I know that not everybody likes classical music. Um, on the weekends, I'll do some My husband loves music. classical music. When Ryan puts it on the car, all he goes, what are you doing with the, putting the boring music on? <laughs> yeah, you guys like rock and roll. You're like my husband. My husband loves rock and roll music. Oh, I, I love house music. And, yeah. I like electronic music. Very fun. Yeah, we love Elvis too. We like a little Sia Cruz. We, yeah. we like Garth Brooks. Yeah. I love the 80s country. That's fun. Eight, I love some Patsy Cline. Grew up on that stuff. Anyway, so we're going back to parenting. So back to parenting. So use, and and you were talking about coming from a place of healing. Um, Music and music uh, sound frequencies can help that healing process. And you can't parent um, effectively, be it positively, intentionally, respectfully, um, non-abusively, unless you are coming from a place of healing. Like you said before, you're never going to be you're most likely never going to be completely healed. Never, right? never. Um, as humans, we are constantly evolving and constantly trying to figure out who we are, what, we are, what is our center, what's our... I've been healing my parental relationships consistently. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you, since I was 18 years old. Yeah. And I'm 38. Yeah. I'm about turning 39 in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Almost 40. Oh, 40s never look better, baby. <laughs> well, so, and you know, like, you, we as humans, we are carrying generations of trauma right oh lord that's a whole thing i know like things that happen to our parents are in our dna (sighs) in our cellular gosh that's so heavy 100 percent. like when i so like when i'm in a reiki session i'll ask like certain like open-ended questions to try to see if there's any patterns and we go deep dive into like the parental relationships and then like i'll even ask about grandmas it's very important for women to heal their relationships with their mom because when you were in your mother's womb, womb, you know, you, you were carrying Ollie also. So all of that, trauma, you know, so you, that's how you're carrying those things on. So if you're, if you don't have a positive relationship with your mom, make sure that you are seeking some healing with that, which I know you're working on. So we have a positive relationship. My mom and I didn't always, my mom and I'm very, very open. I don't know if my mom is, but it's my story too. So <laughs> my mom and I didn't talk actually for a lot of my 20s. Um, my latter 20s, I grew up a lot and I reached out at a very humbling phase in my life after conflict with my dad. Um, and I, I knew what to say and knew how to proceed. Like, I'm sorry, I apologized. Mm-hmm. And I just leveled the playing field. I'm sorry for what happened. I want to be very intentional with moving forward. I don't know what that looks like, but I would be committed to figuring that out with you. I don't want to argue. I don't want to control you. I don't want anything from you. I just want to know who you are as a person now. And I released, I was had got tired of hurting and being at a loss and feeling abandoned. I'm victimized. I just basically was ready just to embrace who she was as a person at that age, at that time and where she was at and release the expectation of, of this vision of a mom that she was never going to be and really just got grounded in who she was as a person. And it turns out she also had changed quite a bit and she was loving and committed and extremely dedicated to me and has called me almost every day multiple times a day we talk a lot yeah we talk probably yesterday we probably talked like seven times that's awesome yeah so it's in we set boundaries and topics in it to to what we're comfortable with talking about and i'm respectful of the people in her life that are not a part of my life um because I've chosen those people are not appropriate for my family, but she still has a relationship with those, but that's none of my business. I, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. You should do a podcast with her. She's actually coming to visit um, May 18th. That would be really good. I wonder if she would do a podcast with me. I bet me. she would. And you could do a mother-daughter podcast. That That is... That would be wild. You're my last, your last, that's my heavy. last episode for the season. That's really cool. I might do a bonus one. I'll ask her. I'll ask her. Anyway, her name is Lois. And sometimes I call her Lois and she knows it and she doesn't get annoyed. 
and but she also thinks I'm pretty great. So like like we've healed a lot. Good. Now she doesn't speak to my brother and my sister and um that's in my business their relationship but i accept my mom for who she is and let me tell you she's a kick-ass grandma she's so funny her and ollie are like two kids and like they're funny together the he'll take my phone and he knows how to use surrey now and he'll call her call (laughs) grandma lois or like um he'll call ryan's mom he'll call mimi um yeah i think it's important to you're not the first person to tell me that. I actually had a boss. Her name was Rosa, and she's actually Ollie's godmother. I was blessed to have her as a human being. Everyone should have a Rosa in their life. And she said, um, gosh, this is way before I even met Ryan. This is probably back in 2009, 2010, when I lived in Miami. And she said, you'll never be – well, it was pretty strong, and I don't necessarily know if I agreed with it, but it was very impactful on me at the time – she says, you'll never be a good mother if you don't resolve things with your parents. Yeah. At that point, I wasn't talking to my dad. I wasn't talking to my mom. And I wasn't talking to anybody, actually. And I lived independently. Nobody, like, I could have been dead and they wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was estranged from everybody. And I only had a boyfriend who was really not a great person at the time. But I was really into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was bad choices all around. And I sat with that for a long time and I was like well you don't know what I've been through but like on some level that was correct yeah on some level that was 100% correct but like I don't I don't I think a lot of people can be good mothers without resolving um is it better and clear up a lot of like chest and heart chakra space to love better and deeper with yeah but um but at bare minimum you need to at least acknowledge that past trauma even if you're Absolutely. not in a place of of repairing that relationship because you really need to have that boundary bare minimum you have to at least acknowledge it so that you don't repeat those patterns with your kid i think so i think what i always strive for like when i'm helping a client heal a parental relationship is what can we do what issue is specifically are we healing what trauma event or thing and what is the trigger of that? Mm-hmm. And then how can we mitigate that and then give you a tool? So when that does come up, we, you have a plan and then like, what can we do to like de-trigger that completely or as, as much as possible. And, um, so that you can transition from triggered to a peaceful place about it. Like yeah. I may not want to reconcile and that's okay. I, but I'm, I have peace and with this, And it's not even about forgiveness. It's about moving and transitioning into that place of peace. And that looks so different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So if you were, so we have a lot of uh, listeners that are trying to conceive Mm -hmm. and who've had multiple losses. Yeah. And they will become parents one day. And I always say that, you know, whether your baby's earthside or heaven side, you're still a mom. Yeah. As they as they have endured fertility trauma, mm-hmm. and then they move through and they go and they conceive their baby. They usually, what I see commonly, um, I'm generalizing here. Don't come for me. Is that <laughs> there is a tendency that if they've had reoccurrent miscarriages or losses, then there is a tendency to have a spike in postpartum depression and anxiety because they made it through the pregnancy, which is nerve wracking because they don't, of course, nobody wants to lose their baby, but then now the baby's here and they're very petrified that something else is going to happen. How can new moms move through that? (laughs) <laughs> that's a heavy question that's i know but lot. it's it's i know it's a uh, lot but i would be very curious <laughs> you're a postpartum yeah. doula mm-hmm. and you work with postpartum moms and yeah. you you have such a humbling not humbling that's the wrong word your presence in someone's home is life-changing mm-hmm. your voice is calming you're a grounding calming force mm-hmm. you make mothers feel safe when they're in their most vulnerable state, yeah. that's just you showing up to their house without <laughs> even like really doing much. Yeah. But like, 
you make people feel safe, especially mm -hmm. women. Um, I know that's what you did for me. Mm -hmm. And I have recommended you to so many of my friends mm -hmm. and they have said the same because it's, so it's facts, but so working with so many moms that you have, what advice can you give moms that are either expecting to have moved through like Clomid, IVF, IUI, and those kind of things yeah. to help them maybe prepare for that season or even, um, I don't know, just any advice about that? Okay. Um, one of the first things I would say would be to look around in your area and see if there are postpartum doulas. Um, mm. Postpartum, your a postpartum doula is your dedicated professional, as you know, um, for that postpartum period of time in your life. And like you mentioned before, that's one of the most vulnerable time spaces of your parenting journey. Right. Um, and postpartum isn't just those first um, few weeks after birth. Um, the Even the World Health Organization um, acknowledges now that the postpartum period for birthing individuals is the first two years. Yeah, I was zero to two years. Um, yeah, zero to two. Um, and infancy is actually considered zero to three um, because oh, nobody told know. me that. I know. Why didn't I you know, tell right? me that? <laughs> three was hard. Three's hard. Three two was three's easy. Three's a tr transition year, right? Um, because of, of what we know now about neuro development. Um, so if you can look around in your area and first find out if there's any postpartum doulas, um, they're interview them, interview them more, to make sure that interview you more than two. Yes. To make sure that you are in full alignment with them. Um, and make yes. sure that you really jive. If you're in this space right now, if you're in Carolina's, um, membership program, you know that energy is a big thing, right? Right, 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 right. Um, So you have to... You connection. Know, connection is important. And you'll know, especially if you are an intuitive person, you'll know whether or not you're going to want that human in your home. Um, right after you've given birth. You'll want this human to handle your baby. Yes. And everything to do with your, yes. like, touch your things, yep. do laundry, cook your yep. meals, yep. be around your... Your spouse Correct. or your spouse, partner. Yeah. So that's what a postpartum doula does. They come in, um, they hold space for you, you know, to help you kind of debrief after your birth. Um, they help with breastfeeding, they help with baby wearing, they help with um, age appropriate sleep expectations. Um, they do light cleaning, they do meal prep, basically everything that in the past, in centuries past, that the other women in your village would have done. Um, I want to move to the village. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> but we don't have that anymore. And um, if you are an American, a lot of times we are not okay with being that vulnerable. We are taught um, uh, subconsciously that we're supposed to be independent, right? We're supposed to know what oh we're doing. Gosh, yes. We're supposed to be able to do this on your own. And if you can't, then you are not only less than um, woman, you are less than human almost because why can't you do this? Um, <sighs> that's heavy, right? right? So, deep breaths, Carol, deep <sighs> breaths. <sighs> Um, your postpartum doula should come into your space and you, um, if everything is going the way that it should, you should be able to just literally take a deep breath and relax so that all that cortisol, the stress hormone that's in your brain and in your body and you're so tense just releases. That means you may cry, um, you may scream, um, you might just sleep, um, but that if you have a postpartum doula, they're there to be that safe space that you could do that, right? So you asked what are the things that you could do to come from a place of healing. First and foremost, find a postpartum doula. Um, they work daytime and nighttime yeah. shifts. So I had a postpartum doula um, here locally, and I lived in an apartment at the time, and she came, oh my gosh, I bought a certain number of hours. I bought like a package, and we kept increasing. Yeah. And she stayed with me for four months and through that time period, because I didn't return to work until Ollie was four months old. Um, uh, and she came both night and day, but never like we scattered it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are another point about postpartum doulas that I wanted to point out. There are more and more organizations mm -hmm. that are nonprofits mm -hmm. that are providing these services to reduce gatekeeping, yes. but also ensure that women of color, particularly one of women of color, are having support because yeah. this is very much 
a postpartum doula service is definitely a privilege. It, it is. And, and that is that um, there are, like you mentioned, a lot of nonprofits that are popping up to kind of help combat that um, uh, maternal morbidity, morbidity rate, uh, because a lot of moms are dying, especially moms in the U.S. In the U.S., disproportionately moms of color. Um, right. It's because of... Um, physical things. Um, a lot of times moms of color will have uh, higher blood pressure and they don't recognize it. They just think, oh, I have a headache. Well, your postpartum doula, can, she's not a medical professional, um, but she can say, hey, maybe you should check your blood pressure. Um, and you could check your blood pressure and say, oh, it's high. Let's, let's call your doctor so that you don't then stroke out. Um, or right. can say you you know, with your postpartum doula, they can say things like, mm, that bleeding's a little bit too much. Maybe you should contact your physician. They're just aware, like our postpartum doula knew like on day two, three, four, five, yep. she was able to coach my husband, Ryan, on um, what to anticipate yeah. and what was normal and what was not. Yeah. Um, and she was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. She even, I had, um, I had to get Ollie baptized at two months. Uh, that was a, a decision I made. Mm-hmm. And she took me, I was scared. I had irrational postpartum fears, mm-hmm. which is very common that, of course, I binge watched Twilight <laughs> so, during my postpartum. And I was, I would have these nightmares mm-hmm. that like, and what part of the part of the movies, um, God, I don't even remember his name, uh, Robert Pattinson, he mm-hmm. was slammed against the marble. Oh, and I would think that my that baby, would to you, baby, yeah, yes. because there was marble all mm-hmm. over through the cathedral because yeah. we're right. Episcopalian. She actually took me mm-hmm. and like even called my priest mm-hmm. and our priest. Um, she was so wonderful at the time. They have women priests mm-hmm. at, at the cathedral and um, they met me mm-hmm. and she drove me yeah. and sat with me mm-hmm. and we breastfed in a pew mm-hmm. and asked the priest, like, how will this go? Mm-hmm. And I realized the area that we'd be sitting had carpet. Yeah. And it was just so wonderful to have this person that was for me mm-hmm. and for my baby and all about me and yes. not anything else, but just full service for me yes. to help me be successful in that. And I just remember one of those moments of like, um, uh, just like, I will never forget that. Yeah. And I was just like, but anyway, the, back to the gatekeeping and the, uh, the non-gatekeeping. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is really important that you check in your local area that there are more and more chapters. There's not like an organization I'm familiar with. Yeah. And then there's one ear, over here in mm-hmm. Omaha called Better Birth Projects. Yeah. And they're doing that. Um, and there's also the Malone Maternal Wellness. Um, I'm not familiar the with them. They're out of Lincoln. Perfect. Um, but... Can I do a plug? Yes, please do a plug. Uh, Village Life Parenting will also be in the show notes. uh, Village Life Parenting um, is a family educational family support organization nonprofit that um, one of our biggest missions is to make sure that postpartum doula services remain um, attainable. Um, Right. So definitely look for local nonprofits if you are interested in hiring a postpartum doula. Uh, Another way is that. I recommend new um, pregnant moms is that they put it on their registry. Mm -hmm. They interview a postpartum and what they can do is instead of you getting an $800 stroller or what, I mean, if you want an $800 stroller, go do it. But like, instead of like, um, a lot of moms are becoming more minimalist. Mm -hmm. um, So that's like more mainstream trend now. So um, they'll have people buy hours as part of their registry. Yes. And that way they can have some postpartum support. And I think that that's really like a lot of people don't know that they can do that, but you can. And a lot of postpartum agencies or post or doula agencies Mm -hmm. will have that program or gift certificates that they, you can purchase for hours. I think that's super important. And I didn't, I don't think that was a thing when Ollie was born. Yeah, no, that's kind of a new concept, but it's definitely an amazing one because sometimes finance is a barrier and it shouldn't be. Right. Um, women should be birthing people should be able to have all of the support that they need so that they can start their parenting journey from a place of being healed and from a place of healing, like you said. One of our um fellow um interviewers here on the podcast, she's from Omaha, Leanna. She gave birth, she had a big Reiki baby, and she gave birth to 
the baby in Germany and they have a totally different postpartum care. Like midwife come to your home, you can birth at home and like that you get so much more like in-home support Mm -hmm. from like, just, it's just so different. Um, but anyway, so let's, let's get off the postpartum bucket. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take that one off for a while. So let's talk about like parenting, um, and parenting unity. Okay. Like, so for people who are maybe, um, I think awareness is, is, is some people don't always have awareness of what they're going through and that's okay. But then they have like an aha moment and they're like, okay, there is a correlation between my kid's behavior and my parenting. I need help. Mm -hmm. But maybe the partner doesn't have that same, um, awakening moment what do we do when so you have a partner that says okay this is an issue I see the correlation we need to move forward but the other partner is either stagnant or not in agreement or is not willing to put in the effort how did how does one bridge the gap between that because that's more of a marriage issue than a parenting issue do you have any advice for those kind of um situations um if you can sorry for all the tough heavy hitters okay, yeah um if you can um hire a parenting coach so that is a way to go about doing that if not um you could obviously seek marital counseling um but really sometimes it's just a matter of communication mm-hmm. um voicing your concerns and setting being intentional remember i said i wasn't going to call it respectful parenting i said i was going to call it intentional or conscious parenting so taking time with your partner with your um, because most of the time um you created that child with that partner um or you intended to create a child with that partner so you are in life with this other person um set aside a time when you can go and talk about your parenting <laughs> parenting journey um go out on a date with them whether it doesn't have to be romantic just say hey let's go meet at our favorite coffee shop and get a notepad of paper and say let's talk about what type of um, family environment we want to have let's talk about what type of child we want to raise so write all those things down and then you say okay how do we want to go about doing about doing that and really just having conversations sometimes it looks like um setting aside time once a week where you guys can talk about it. Sometimes that's totally unrealistic and it's just a, hey, let's have a never ending text stream or we text back and forth about these things. Um, Sometimes it's a, maybe every um, Thursday night, you know it's your Thursday night date at home after you put the kid to bed, you are gonna watch your show together and then you just intersperse comments and you say, we're just gonna talk about this. Um, One of the biggest things that I can say to do is to set your absolutes. Um, I know I've talked with you and your spouse about that. Um, What are things that you both absolutely will not budge on? Um, Maybe come up with uh, a list of three to five. If you're absolute, and a lot of times those need to be centered around safety. So if your absolute is, we will not um, use physical punishment at all, that's an absolute. Um, and then you figure out from there, okay, then what else are we going to do? Um, and then maybe another absolute is we will always make sure our kid feels safe. That's an absolute. So then you, you tease out other little things. Okay. What does that look like? What does safety look like? Um, but always having those absolutes, because if you can be on the same page as those absolutes, how you and your partner handle those things may look different and that's okay because you're two different humans and you both have two different upbringings two different um sets of your own trauma and things that you're trying right. to deal two different methods and two different personalities but as long as you both know you're on the same page with those absolutes you know that you have decided to raise this child together and you know that you're both coming from a place of love and you know that you're both on the same page as those absolutes everything else is negotiable because it's going to look different. And that's what makes family life so difficult and complicated is that really you are meshing um, multiple humans and trying to get everybody in alignment all at the same time. 
you know, and it's, it's so all lots of um, just communication and learning how to live in harmony together. <sighs> I know, and, and I, I make it sound a lot um, easier than it is. It's it's not an easy thing, but if you can come from, like you said, a place of healing um, and figure out what what healing needs to look like for you. Maybe healing is you have a Reiki master and you go to a Reiki S session. Stop it. Shut up. <laughs> Maybe healing for you means you um, have a set time to go out and walk in nature. So you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I have done multiple Reiki sessions. Mm -hmm. How, what has Reiki done? We're going to pivot away from parenting. Let's talk a little bit about healing. Okay. So you have worked on a number of things with Reiki. How yeah. has Reiki impacted you? Um, I will, I'm going to be 100% honest. Um, I, before I met you, I had a very um, far off view of Reiki. I didn't have any idea what it was other than um, I believed in it in the sense that I knew it was out there. And I figured, and I believed it in the sense that I, I humans are energy. So energy healing is a thing right? Um, but I had no idea that it would have as big of an impact on me as it did after our first session. I don't know if you remember our first session. I, <laughs> we had, that was hard. <laughs> that was, that was intense. We've done um, all of your sessions. Most of your sessions we've done in person. We've done yeah. a couple virtual, mm -hmm. but you live locally. So I think you come here. here. Um, one thing that I just, this is not anything to do with the topic, but I knew the day that you walked into my apartment, and uh, you were handling Ollie. There was just something magical, mystical, cosmic about you that I was just like, I thought you were an angel. I don't know about that. I well, I was I was in a very dark place after mm -hmm. my birth. I was very violated with my birth, and I was lost. And every it seemed like every person besides Ryan in the, the people we had hired and the people, and you came through a person we had hired, a referral um, of the postpartum doula had, a, had like lost, like had it been, they vanished because people don't, didn't know how to handle my extreme case of postpartum yeah. or the trauma or that Ollie was a NICU, all of these yeah. things. So um, I just knew, and I also like yearned and had hopes like, I was like, there's something different about this woman. And at that point, I had just dabbled in spirituality. I had not, I had gotten Reiki sessions. I was not certified yeah. and not taken any classes yet. It wasn't until Ollie was six months old until I got certified. And then I sat with that until 2018. Yeah. So you are a magical and very, very important soul <laughs> to me. I don't know. Just, just having you, I just, I just didn't, I just, it's feeling all of the emotions at this very moment, just like reminiscing. I haven't thought about some of these things. Like yeah. I remember you walking straight into my apartment. I even think I had the door unlocked. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. We live in Nebraska. Place, so, you know. <laughs> I just like had the, like the doors unlocked so that way I wouldn't have to get up. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what it was. I didn't want to get off the couch, but I just like, just this thinking about like, wow, like you've been really a part of my journey with this small child, yeah. literally from the beginning. Yeah. That's freaking wild, bro. The bro. Amazing. I'm blessed to have you. Um, so what, when you've gotten Reiki, just because I know that this question hasn't been answered on the podcast, when you've received Reiki, what have sensations have you filled in your body? Um, I have... Me personally, because um, I did have physical, literal physical healing that needed to take place, and I had made a uh, conscious choice to not go the pharmaceutical route, uh, I knew there was going to need to be some other sources of healing. Um, so I personally have literally had um, an uplifting of pain. Um, I used to have a lot more pain than I do now. I don't have a lot of pain anymore. Um, you were pretty consistent for a long time. Yeah. You were coming like once or twice a month. Yeah. Um, because again, physical, we're humans and we have physical frail bodies. And so we have physical ailments. Um, if you are in, in to the spiritual healing realm, you know that a lot of times those physical ailments are manifestations of emotional trauma and past generational trauma, um, which I do 
I believe that mine was a combination. Um, so for me personally, um, a lot of physical healing um, has taken place. Um, what did that feel like? Did, was it cold? Was it pulsating? Was it waves of warmth? I mean, what did you experience? Um, waves of warmth would maybe be a good way to describe it. Um, but also literal weight being lifted off. Mm, I things, remember that session. Things like being drawn out. Mm, um, yeah, that does happen. So that was on the top part of your back. Yes, I remember that day. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and just a lot of a lot of mental clarity. Uh, oh, that that's what I do love about Reiki. When I do my own like Reiki, it brings like it brings like okay, what do I need to do next? Mm -hmm. And like, but with very define certainty and that and peace with it I, gosh i'm addicted to having peace yeah peace is important i realize that peace is actually when people when i coach people and they're like i want this this and this but i'm like okay so i was like so what underneath is really what you're wanting is peace mm -hmm. and they're yeah. like well if you put it in that way yeah yeah so because peace allows you to have capacity for joy yeah instability and security and that's really what most people want and through that then you feel safe to express your emotions you feel um you can expand into holding space for others you can start to explore hobbies and curiosities and passions and that's where really the fruits of life are and that sounds really cheesy but like as a person that's lived a very trauma full life um boring I didn't realize, like, I kept saying, I just want a boring life, but really, I just wanted a peaceful life. You just wanted peace. You wanted homeostasis. You wanted... Yeah, that's never happened. You not have to be constantly in fight or flight mode. Yeah, I think my mom still lives that way. That's hard. I think it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you feel like healing has effect on your whole family tree? Yes. How so? Um, well... Another hard question. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we said before, we don't realize that um, our body literally keeps the score of traumas. And it's it can be written into our DNA. Scientists are just now kind of delving into figuring out how to prove that to everyone. What a lot of people in the spiritual space have known. Um, but it affects your family tree because hurt people hurt people. So if you are coming from a place of hurt, you are going to continue to perpetuate that hurt, even if it's not a conscious choice. It's just what it's just what's coming out. It's what's coming out of in your energy, what's coming out in your actions. And again, you can love your kid to the moon and back. You can love them unconditionally. You can say that. Um, and if you're still coming from a hurt place, you will hurt. Hurt people hurt people. So that's how it will continually affect your family tree. It's going to continue to affect just your family that's in your house. Isn't that the truth? I found that the more I heal, especially, um, what year was that? It was like 2019. I spent the majority of that year working with several different modality professionals, shamans, hypnosis, all kinds of stuff. Reiki, I have a Reiki master that I see, um, getting different certifications. And when you do a certification, you also have to experience that, that, um, that method or technique um so then it's like also a super intense like healing and usually those are done over a course of a week or a weekend so as i got in certifications in 2019 which i got i had gotten i think three that year for specifically just for reiki um i was releasing a lot of ancestral trauma yeah. that was um very very intense and uh also the trauma that I had experienced, but I had not spoken about when I confirmed with my, when I talked to my mom, she confirmed and she goes, oh, that's happened to everyone in our side of the family. And um, when I started to do that work, it really did transform our relationship even deeper. Mm -hmm. Like it allowed her to feel like she could share her experiences 
and her traumas in, it's my cat's eating now. Um, the, it allowed our connection to deepen. So even though I was doing the healing work, it did have a positive effect in rate because of our energetic cord and our connection. It lightened it enough mm -hmm. for her to fully express her experiences and me to hold space for her, mm -hmm. which she had never shared before. Yeah. Then it also like decreased my fears of that happening to Ollie mm -hmm. just because I knew what to look for yeah. and became more educated instead of just being paralyzed with fear that yeah. this experience would happen to him. Um, so like actively having that has changed our, our dynamic as a mother daughter. And then like, my connection with Ollie, but also then allowed me to share my story more, yeah. more openly. So I think when you have that drastic of a vibrational change, let's be a little spiritual here. Yeah. It's like, so when you heal, your vibration raises, but what physically happens is what was in your cellular memory, in your tissues, that cortisol, that stress from that memory is released. Yeah. And then there's now this new energy and it's free for you to fill with positive loving experience. So um, that's with what a lot happens with Reiki, especially with the Karuna Reiki. So a lot of women that I talk to, they're, they have spent so much time, energy, money, physical exhaustion on these journeys to conceive their babies. There's a lot of like... Um, effort just to conceive um then when I introduced the idea of like okay so what kind of style of parenting are you going to do or what's your postpartum plan um what do you recommend and that seems to be a new concept for some women is like what like yeah so do something else after I make the baby <laughs> yeah yeah it's longer than that yeah yeah no I think that that is but that's, I think that's very fair. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to let myself go that far. Like, it's mm -hmm. very, very, like, it's a very protective thing for a woman to do. What is a great way besides just Google? Like, I didn't know when I had Ollie that there were parenting styles. Mm -hmm. I just knew that you could hit your kid or not hit your kid. And that's basically, like, I didn't know even how to bathe Ollie when he came home from the hospital. Yeah. I didn't bathe him until the postpartum doula showed me how. So the fray was going to break him. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so, and then the IBCLC told yeah. me, oh, do you know what you're doing? I was like, most days I don't. Yeah. I stopped opening the mail. Mm -hmm. And she goes, you're doing what's called attachment parenting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. So like this, a style of parenting, I didn't know that was a thing. So it's not talked about mm -hmm. unless you're like, the parenting theme yeah so how does one explore parenting styles um well you can literally google parenting styles you can also um what podcast you listen to so many podcasts i do um and i can give you some to put in your show notes um but what it comes down to also is knowing who you are as a person Ooh, um that's gold yeah because you have to um I don't That's like why we idea. have this podcast is yeah. for you to get to know yourself, <laughs> yes. healing and helping you discover who you yeah, are as a soul. Out your, whether it's your Enneagram, human design, personality. Type, Ooh, I whatever, love that you said human whatever, design. Whatever it is you want to, whatever it is you want to figure out how you want to figure out who you are and what, what is your center? What is your identity? Um, and then go from there because um oh, it's so true human design we've talked a lot about on this program yeah. what are you i have no idea actually wait we've never done your human design no. <laughs> um i am i'm a very simple person i go off of introvert or extrovert that's it okay i'm, I'm, I'm an extrovert, extrovert. i'm an extrovert um, <laughs> i take i get my energy from being around people um i am very very tired if i spend a day at home by myself um some people need that time like my second um child my daughter um she is an outgoing introvert so kate you've had her here before she's um, a lovely gal she loves to come and she loves being with kids she loves teaching um and she loves being with people um but it's i love that she's also very sure of what she does and does not like you've yeah. done such she's, like, she's, just, 
she told me what she did not want for lunch. I said, okay, I can work with this. Yeah. <laughs> so parenting sounds, you have to know who you are. So if you haven't figured out who you are and what your center is um, and what your identity is, do a little bit of self-work um, during that um, preconception phase when you're, when you're trying to create this new human. Because um, when once that new human comes, uh, you have their emotions to help balance and their needs to um, help sustain also. And that's a lot. Um, so yeah, figure out who you are first. And remember that humans, we are fluid and we are energetic. Uh, we cannot be put in a box. We are not static. We are continuing to change, evolve over time. So um, yes, take these ideas. We as humans, we put, we come up with these labels for things, you know, just to help us understand things. Um, but don't put yourself in a box. So like just because someone says, oh, you are an attached parent. Oh, you're doing this style of parenting. Oh, you're doing this style of parenting. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't do other things that goes back to, um, remember when I said, find, figure out what your absolutes are. Mm. So your absolutes are, I want my child always to feel safe. I want my child to feel loved unconditional. I want, uh, I will never use physical punishment. Um, so if those are your three absolutes, then you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to drive with this kid? If you end up with a kid that's neurodiverse. I just had a blow. I just had a breakthrough. What? I, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I'm, I'm going through a struggling phase with Ollie. And is I realized it's been one year this month. I don't, I didn't count how many hours or exact day. I just know it was April that we quit breastfeeding a year ago. Mm -hmm. I breastfed for four years yeah. and then some. So I realized that since then our relationship has been entirely different. Yeah. Because you haven't figured out who you are and he hasn't figured out who he is separately. Once you, if you are a breastfeeding parent, once you are completely weaned, um, you're going to go through that period of time that's a little bit volatile, a little bit chaotic. Oh my gosh, this explains out. so much. <laughs> now you have to figure out who because you are. I used to solve everything with my boo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If he was and unhappy. appropriate. I would just be like, you're hungry? Boo. Have some milk. Are you mad? Said, have some no milk. milk. Yeah, exactly. I literally, I was like, I worked hard for this. Yeah, let's keep doing it. I was Absolutely. like, I was amazed. I was like, I may be heavy, but I made a human and my body and kept producing milk. Exactly. I was like, wow, this is like a superpower it for is. four years to produce yeah. milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go take us. Yeah. So <laughs> Don't you have a Reiki and breastfeeding group too? Or I have a Reiki meditation to yes, help help breastfeeding. Right. I was very passionate about yes. breastfeeding for a long time. Um, I think that is best. Like I don't I don't feel like you yes. know some people can't um, breastfeed or they choose and not that's to. Okay. Or I actually had a coworker um, who had her one of her close friends exclusively pumped. Mm -hmm. And they did that intentionally, mm -hmm. not that they couldn't lapse or anything like that, but they were very like controlled type of personalities mm -hmm. and they wanted to have like bricks in their freezer and they wanted to know exactly how many ounces every baby was like the baby was taking every serving. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I mean, Ollie was like 10 months and he would be chugging at the boob and, and they're like, how, how, how many ounces? I was like, he's a more of a snacker. Yeah. Like, and he's not like, a, he's like, and I eat, a, I would eat an avocado a day because I um, was obsessed when you put the milk in the fridge of how much fat was up there. Mm -hmm. I used to think if I, I, I had, nobody told me this, but I was convinced if I eat an avocado a day, mm -hmm. I would get really fatty fat milk, milk. Yeah. so I could have a really fat baby <laughs> and he had to be like roly polies. Sorry. That's okay. I just thought that was really, <laughs> I thought it was super fun. Yeah. What was the original question? I forgot. We're talking about breastfeeding, tetas. Oh, we saw, so that it was volatile after they weaned. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Oh, and we were talking about how can parents um, figure out parenting styles. Yeah. Um, oh, that was the original question. There we go. Uh, podcast books, parenting groups, literally Google or Brave or DuckDuckGo, whatever your... Um, What's DuckDuckGo? DuckDuckGo is a secured private internet search engine. So if you are tired of things being censored or tired of targeting ads, um, look up other browsers besides Chrome. Or besides Google. <laughs> they use Google for everything. Yeah, everybody does. 
Oh. A lot of, well, not everybody, a lot of people do. Um, I use, personally, this is side tangent, I use Google for things that I want to be intentional about getting targeted ads. So if I'm interested in a product or interested in something and I know that if I search it through Google and You're I so want to find out who else, what other companies do that, I'll search it through Google. And then sure enough, on my social media, I'll start getting other ads with like things. Um, if it's something that I'm like, eh, I don't necessarily want that and I want some unsensitive results, I will go to a secure browser like Brave or DuckDuckGo or Firefox private um, and search it through that way. You're so mindful. I try to be. I like that. So um, <laughs> I want to know um, how people can get in touch with you. Where can they find you on the, the wild internet? <laughs> Um, How can they find you? Yeah, they can find Let's me. find you, Rachel. Oh, no. <laughs> they can look at Village Life Parenting on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, you can look at villagelifeparenting.com. Or it's right. You do have a new website. It's true. <laughs> you do have a beautiful website. Um, or you can literally just email villagelifeparenting at gmail.com. And uh, you have a free parenting Facebook group. Yeah. You have over a thousand people worldwide in that group. It's something to be super proud of. Yeah, we in Village Life Parenting Community, our uh, mission is to literally provide that village that everybody always talks about needing as a parent, but nobody knows how to create it. Uh, so we are a safe space. Uh, for parents to come and pose their parenting questions. We are non-judgmental. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron on the internet. No, but truly it's a great space. Um, we, in our however many years of existence, we've never had um, hate posts. We've never had threads that we've had to shut down. We've literally There's no never caring. been once. If you're um, caring, don't come. <laughs> we are very intentional about providing non-judgmental support and resources. And everyone that's there has a different level of experience and they all come from different walks of life. Literally the only thing that connects us is our desire to be intentional and respectful. I love that. So many great things we've discussed today. A lot. I want to thank you for your time, your presence, your role in my life and parenting journey. And Ollie calls you his best friend. So, and my, he's, <laughs> he's pretty great. All my ladies in the Divine Feminine Fertility Collective, which is my monthly membership plug, um, love him too, because he gives them Reiki. So thank you for listening and we hope you have a great day.